Welcome to the Pigcast, your weekly media and marketing pig out. Brought to you by Prize Pig and hosted by Amanda Westfall. Another week of the Pigcast, and I want to talk about money with you. It's often the most important thing for a small business owner, counting the numbers that are coming in and going out and I'm watching it meticulously, but sometimes we don't do it quite right. And I was definitely guilty of that starting out and it took me a few months to really wrap my head around it. So I wanted to chat with an expert. Here we go. Hi, my name is Marissa and I'm the founder of Miss Money Penny Presents. I help women business owners manage, make and multiply their money so they can generate more cash in their business and create a business and life that they love. My eyes kind of glaze over any time I hear the word budget. But when we were chatting before, Marissa, you made it sound remotely interesting. So that's why I decided to have a chat with you on the podcast today. Oh, great. Yeah, well, you know, it can be kind of interesting. I can I can help you make it interesting. Good. I, and I love how um, we were chatting before and, and you're talking about designing the life that you want and kind of reverse engineering it and that kind of pricks my ears of create this fantasy like what is the actual life that you want to live and you obviously need some cash flow to do that so let's work out what it is and then take reverse engineer that to make sure you get there um with with an amazing budget and fantastic cash flow and all that sort of stuff so that's that's your that's your gravy that's what you're great at right yes definitely definitely because i i believe that we you know it's okay to have ideas to be able to do what you want to do in 10, 15 years' time, but you actually have to put into place some sort of action plan in order to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And so what uh, when the people, the people are coming to you that don't have an action plan, small businesses, you obviously work with so many of them, what are you hearing that's a, that's a really big problem for them? Okay, what I hear is, first of all, Generally, most of them have gone into business doing what they love doing. So they've followed their passion. But unfortunately, the passion is not giving them the cash flow that allows them to actually maintain and grow their business. So that's causing a lot of frustration. So what I then do is turn things around and say, okay, let's make this a profitable business so you can continue doing what you love doing and follow your passion. Now, I love that you talk about the two things because you you come from an accounting background and there's, I mean, accounting and passion aren't two words that you often hear together, but you've also got this amazing past doing life coaching. So it feels like, you know, with your powers combined, you've created this kind of new space, new headspace where you're looking at the numbers, but also uh, being able to support people with their visions and dreams. Like what an amazing combination. Absolutely, absolutely. Because uh, there is a lot of, um, you know, money is energy. That's all. That's all it really is. It's just energy, yeah, and it okay. allows you to do what you want to do. And whether that's living the life you want to live or giving it away to help other people, whatever it may be, it allows you to live the life that you want to live. Unfortunately, in order to do that, you have to have some sort of control over your finances. Yep. There's no two ways about it. And that way, that's how I see the two are very combined. And there is a lot of emotion in money as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, people are emotional about not talking about it. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. There's a huge avoidance, a huge avoidance. And particularly for small business owners, I remember when we first started, I found it quite difficult um, chatting with clients and and helping them out and, and doing what we do here at The Pig. But then 
um, sending them an invoice. I, I really struggled with the two of those. I felt like I couldn't set, possibly send an invoice because I'm the good guy and I felt like the invoices had to come from a bad guy. Like there were two different spaces in my head. Do you hear that from people as well? Absolutely. That right. is huge. And when you're a small business owner and you're the salesperson and also the person that collects payments, mm. most people hate those uncomfortable conversations that they have to make with clients that are not paying on time. Oh, it's the worst. And yeah. why do you think that we struggle with that? I mean, why is that so difficult? Um, it's one of the one of the big things would be people not feeling worthy of receiving money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, possibly that they, they they always have this, well, not always, but a lot of people think, oh, have I overcharged or, and also if you know that your clients are struggling to pay bills, then you naturally think, oh, you know, should we, you know they can't pay, maybe I should give them a bit of a break or, so it, it, it's a funny arena, it really is, but that's why I encourage all of my clients to actually set up systems within their business so the payments are efficiently collected. What? Tell me about that. What is a system? Okay. Well, look, there's a number of ways I do this, and the whole idea is to actually keep the the, the person that makes the sales in that role and then automate the collection process. So it could be that you, if you package your services and people pay a set amount every month for it, for example, mm-hmm. you can set up direct debit. Yes, okay. So then you don't have to worry about that. No, exactly. Or if you start a project, you could say, okay, um, before I start this project, we need to you to put down 30% of the cost. So you've all automatically got your cash flow coming in. And you, you can, do that for every time instead of it being a case by case, client per client basis. Just having in your in your quote or in all your documentation standard across the board, thirty percent upfront cost, and then you don't even have to talk about it. It's just right there, right? Exactly. And then you and then you say, okay, well then when you get to stage two of the project, then you'd like ten percent paid. Okay. So it just works out. You know, you, you do it that way. Another good way of doing it is if you aren't taking payments up front or if you don't have people that are willing to um, go into some sort of direct debit agreement, you can easily accept credit card on your phone quite easily. So all the banks, major banks, have apps you can download. As long as you've got a business banking account, they've got apps you can download and then you can accept credit card payments over the phone. Is this a new thing? That sounds... Amazing. I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Westpac, for example, has Payway. Um, ANZ Bank has FastPay. CBA has one called Emmy. And it's like having a little FPOS machine on your phone, but you're not paying huge amounts of money for the merchant terminal. Mm, okay. Well, that's really clever. Yeah. And, and that's really good for, for tradies, for example, if they if they go to a job and then you know, they don't have to invoice out. They just say, okay, you know, they take your credit card number and it just gets processed and it goes straight into your bank account the next day. Okay. Yeah, right. Now, what about people that are slack? Like no one likes to call somebody and say, hey, did you get my email? Knowing full well that they did. Did you get my invoice? Yep. And you can see that they opened it three days ago at 9am on your system. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I haven't received it. Resend. Now, how how can we make that less uncomfortable? What can small businesses do to, to make that process easy and 
and basically avoid it completely. Is there a quick fix for that? Yeah, that's when you call on Data Daddy. <laughs> and I love Data Daddy. And what that is, it's a software program that actually talks to your accounting software program, goes in every day and has a look at what invoices are overdue and then automatically sends off an email. So that's just something in, it connects with zero. Is that what it does? Yeah, yeah it connects with zero. And what you can do, and I, I, um, I love this because you can set it up. So two days before an invoice is due, Data Daddy sends out a really nice email to your client saying, hey, just a reminder, your invoice is due in two days. Mm-hmm. And then if it's not paid after then, you can set it up to go out seven days later or four days later. And then the emails just get more and more you can, you can tailor them so they can get more and more stern as you go along. Mm. So you don't have to worry about doing the, the chasing it up. There's another system called SMS My Debtors and that does the same thing. It goes into your accounting software and it sends SMS messages. That's fantastic. I have never heard of these things, probably because I just stick my head in the sand. Anytime anything comes up around accounting and budgets, I find it so overwhelming and scary. I just go, la, la, la. But yeah. this, is, this is actually really helpful stuff. And you know what, Data Daddy starts from $8 a month. Oh, well, considering if you're sending somebody three emails and then doing a follow-up call, all that might take you an hour and a half. I mean, $8 a month for a program that does it, that's outstanding. It does it for you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's so easy. Well, we actually ended up going to a um, – we're a membership site. The Pig is all, all memberships. Um, and I just found that a really nice – Firstly, a gentle way for small businesses to actually, you know, we, it helps them do with their budgets if they know that there's a monthly fee. Um, and also it, it just takes the stress away from me. So obviously, I mean, that's, that's a, a brilliant way to avoid those, those conversations. But if you are doing invoicing, Data Daddy and SMS My Debitors just sound like the solution to all the problems. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. They're brilliant. Amazing. So are there any other tips to, um, for small businesses to get their cash flow going and to actually, um, tweak some automated systems and, Things like that, Marissa? Okay. Look, I think another thing that a lot of small business owners don't work out is understanding their finances and looking at what they're actually selling, whether it be a product or a service, and seeing whether they're actually making a profit margin on it. That sounds pretty basic, but is it, do people, like I suppose I've, people don't do that. They, no, just, they, don't. they just get cracking and get lost in the business and get busy and, and other things that are too distracting. Exactly. So I always work with my clients and say, okay, well, what, what, what money do you want left over in your business? Can you give us an example of that? Can you talk me through, have you got somebody like you can even make something up just so we can kind of relate to it a little bit more? So there, there is a person X and, and yep. here's a scenario. Yeah. Okay. Right. Now, is this for working out how much money they want to make or? Just to show the process. So, you know, you, you, you chat with somebody and, and, and and how does it work? Okay, what I can do is I do have a – I worked with a client who was a personal trainer and I got her sorted out and she was just setting up. Um, you know, she was she was working huge hours and had major cash flow issues. Yeah. Just, just setting her up on all sorts of different things and then all of a sudden she got more clients and she her cash flow improved. And so by setting her up, and she got more clients. Is that because you set her up and she was saving time? Well, look, there was a number of things. Okay. Um, you know, she was working huge hours. 
and and had major cash flow issues. Okay. So, and, and, you know, she was a sales rep for her business as well as a person that collected the payments and she was relying on her clients to deposit their payments into her bank account. Okay. Cash. Yeah. So she'd lose track of who had to be paid if people didn't pay enough and then she had products that she was selling at the studio that if people didn't have cash they wouldn't buy. And some of these products were, say, $60, $70 and people just didn't have the cash on them. Mm. So the first thing we did when we started working together is we systemised her collections. So that's when we, we she was then able to accept credit card payments via her smartphone. Okay. Oh, that sounds quicker and easier. Exactly. So people would come in and they say, okay, well, I will buy bars and shakes and all the rest of it because I can just put it on my credit card. Yeah. Um, or Visa or your debit card. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she automatically had more product sales. And then she signed her clients up to pay their fees via a recurring weekly direct debit. So she no longer had to remember who had been paid or who'd paid or what they'd paid for. Yeah. And we set up a CRM, which is a customer relationship manager. Mm-hmm. And this meant that she could keep, keep track of her clients' details and progresses. And then ultimately, she could provide a better service. Okay. And well, that's all. That all makes sense. And they all sound like things that made a big difference. But not a big deal to set up. Like, no. Right, okay. And they were so affordable. And within two months of implementing these systems, she doubled her cash that came into her business, cut down on her working hours. This was about five or six months ago. She is now moving into new premises because where she is now is too small. Oh, that's really exciting. What a change in, in her space. And she must be just, I guess, a happy and more relaxed person. Well, she could also spend more time on sales because yeah. she didn't have to worry about collecting payments all the time and, and, and didn't get bogged down in all of that. So um, it just it made a huge difference, a massive difference, and it was so easy to implement and yeah. cost-effective as well. For example, her, her um, CRM was $60 a year. Oh, wow. Okay. What was that one? What's that CRM? Salesforce. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Salesforce, 60 bucks a year. All right. It's mm. very interesting. Well, congrats on that one. That's a fantastic case study and it kind of just helps put it in perspective of um, how big, much big changes can be made with small little things that you do, tweaks. Yeah, yeah, they're just small tweaks, small tweaks. Now, you mentioned about understanding profit margins, something, something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you mind? I, I, I think I glazed over it. But I, I think that, that there's something in there about, aside from you start a business, you get really busy and you just start selling, um, but sometimes it might be important to take a step back and actually really look at the numbers. I'm sure so many people just avoid doing that and uh, don't have good profit margins. Mm. And the pricing and stuff. Can you talk me through how to understand kind of profit margins and working out how to price things? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So basically you, ha- you, you have a product that you sell. Yeah. But then you've got to take away from that what you have had to spend in order to sell that product. So, for example, you could sell pens and it may have cost you, you could sell a pen for $10 mm-hmm. but you may have had to purchase that pen for $5 and then you've had to get the, the, the pen sent to your premises that would cost you another $0.50 cents and then you've got to package it and then so the cost of that pen might come up to $8. So therefore you're only making a $2 profit margin on it. And often people just look at that first cost. 
Yeah, exactly. And don't factor in the other ones and, and all other things like, um, yeah, international shipping or something's a little bit heavier or the, the international dollar, the Australian dollar, those sorts of things. Exactly, exactly. There are so many different factors and that's why it's important to do a profit and loss and to have a look and also work backwards. I always say to my clients, you know, right, how much money do you want to bring in, say, $200,000 profit, yep. let's say? Well, what do you then have to sell and then take away your expenses from that in order to make that bottom line profit? And so you work backwards. And that's, that's a really great way of getting your targets, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And I also sit down with people and ask them to work out their targets by looking at what they actually have to sell in order to make those targets. So, you know, they could sell a variety of products and services. So they'd have to work out how much per unit do I sell that service for or that product for. So how many of them do I have to sell over 12 months in order to bring in the sales and then take away the costs to get that net profit that I want. I imagine that helps the anxiety around pricing too because often you pri- we, I hear all the time people price something and then go question themselves, oh, maybe it's too much, maybe it's not. If you've reverse engineered it and you have that price and that is the price that you need to get where you want to be, well, then there's no budging. That's, that's just the price and there might be some, um, some reassurance around that, like you don't question yourself because you've figured it out and you've done it in a methodical way. Yes. Yes, and um, people don't see that sometimes discounting can be really, really bad because if you're constantly discounting, you are quite often losing money. And devaluing the brand to a point too, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I encourage people to value add. So if you feel as though, you know, a product's not moving or a service isn't moving, what can you add to it? So it does make it more appealing. Oh, that's a good idea. So don't drop the price, just increase the value. Increase the value. So have a whole series of things. Like you might have, you know, they could if they buy this, they have this service, they get six months of newsletters or they can get access to a hub with information or they can download this free ebook, or they can have access to podcasts or things that, have, that you've already generated that aren't going to cost you any more to give away, but you mm. can... You add value to to another service or product that you offer. And you mentioned very early on when we were chatting about people not valuing themselves and, and having an issue around talking about money because of that. And mm-hmm. I think that comes up again for content. If somebody writes a blog article or, or does a podcast or cre- is creating that content themselves, it's having confidence that that really is fantastic content, that you have something to offer. And by adding that on, even though it didn't actually cost you anything aside from time in creating that, that's still really valuable to people. It is very valuable to people, yeah. Right. I think think that's really great, adding value instead of dropping the price. I hadn't heard it so succinct. I really like that, Marissa. I'm writing that down. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) There also are changes where people are now buying on value. They're not buying on how much it costs you to – and this especially in the the bookkeeping and accounting world. Mm. People want their books done, for example, or they want their best done. They don't care how long it takes you to do it. They just want the end result. Yeah, absolutely. I I do that. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So you could say, well, look, for X amount, this is what you will get. So it's almost like a result. You're selling the result as opposed to the amount of time it takes to produce that result. And if people can see value in that, then that's when they'll purchase it. 
And that's how I purchase. That's interesting when you when you articulate it like that. That's absolutely how I purchase. Okay, it's it is about um, having a different perspective, valuing yourself, um, and prioritizing and, and putting in place some really dynamo systems that will put you back working on the business instead of being a slave driver, sending out invoices and chasing people up for payment and just wasting time. Yeah. Exactly. They were really amazing tips. Now, I saw you have a ebook, Seven Ways to Increase Your Cash Flow. That's music to my ears. That gets my attention. Yes. You've yep. only mentioned, I think we've got two or three tips on increasing cash flow in our chat. So you've got some more up your sleeve in the ebook. I do. Okay. How can, how can people, how can our podcast listeners grab a hold of that one? Okay. If they head over to my website, so um, missmoneypennypresents.com, and then there'll be a link. They can click on that and access the book. Fantastic. Hmm. Miss Money Penny will also put the link in, in the show notes um, on the PriceBid website so you can just click straight through and, and get access to the book. Thank you so much. You are welcome, Amanda. I wish I had come across Miss Money Penny when we were first starting out. You would have saved me hours and and a lot of money. <laughs> and a lot of frustration it's it's really um you don't know what you don't know and and i suppose that's one of the reasons we do this podcast is to make to introduce people to things they hadn't heard of like those those apps are so invaluable and learning how to increase cash flow because you don't start some people don't start a business being amazing at, at budgets and cash flow you start a business because you're amazing at what your business is yeah exactly and you know what there's a really good book called the e-myth revisited by a guy called Michael Gerber. Yeah. And what he does is he talks about how when you when you start a business, so when you're a business person, you really have to have three hats. The first one's technical hat. So you've got to be, and normally people go into business because they're like they may be a hairdresser and they're good at it and they think, oh, I'm good at this, I'm gonna run my own business. So that's mm. the technical side. But they also have to be managers and entrepreneurs. Yes. And a lot of the time people do not become managers because they get st stuck in the technical side of the business. They don't do their budgets. They don't monitor their cash flow. They don't manage their business properly. Mm. Also, they don't take on the entre entrepreneurial hat and look at how can they make their business grow. So that's why you can put systems in place that will take care that systemizes your business and take care of the management side and the the other side. So you can concentrate on all three as opposed to just being caught in the technical. Because if you're going to run a business and you're just caught being a technician and and you know cutting hair and not doing anything else, you might as well work for someone else. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important to put your hand up and say it's okay. I don't actually know everything and. I'm going to bring in some people who are really great at this, save me time and money and, and outsource sort of do some research and get the apps and get the support in so that you can um, contribute to the business as an entrepreneur and not a worker. Exactly. It's a tough lesson to learn and, and it's and it's easy to read it and hear it, but actually <laughs> putting it into place and doing it is, is an entirely different thing and, and it's something I struggle with and I know a lot of people do. So that's good advice. Yeah, it's a great book. It's, it's a really, I highly recommend it. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, I have read that one. Okay, Marissa, well, that'll do us. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You're welcome. So that book sounds like something will be really helpful. Um, a lot of those tips and tricks I think I just would have really loved um, knowing when I first started out. So make sure you share this podcast around and, and help out anybody else that you know that's kind of starting out in the startup space. Um, and I'll see you on the next week's podcast.